welcome back to another Bear Necessities podcast. You're always authentic and readily ridiculed Chicago Bears podcast. And we're here reporting on another win, baby. It's That's amazing. Right. We are hyped up eating those W's as Reese just showed uh, on, on our, you know, a little Riverside platform. Uh, it's one, baby. <laughs> it's a big one. Uh, beat Brian Hoyer, elite NFL quarterback, uh, for the first time, getting a win at home in over a year, baby. Huge day for us Bears fans. Reese, what was your uh, first first reactions to Tyson Bajan break the Bajan breakout? Yeah, one and zero. You know, never a loss. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it was great for Bears fans. You know, they needed that home win desperately. We had talked about it um, last week. You know, eventually at some point you got to get a win in front of your home fans. So I think it was great that they were able to bring it home. Um, I think it was a game where, you know, you look at the Raiders and prior to before I'd seen a little bit of them play, you know, watched them on red zone, you know, in the in the later windows after the Bears game or whatever, whatever it was. Um, I knew that the, obviously we had talked about in the pregame, not the strongest offense out there. I think the Bears took full advantage of what the Raiders did. Um, I think Josh McDaniels, it, it was weird how they didn't adapt. They kind of, or at least by the time they adapted, the Bears were in the position to to ground and pound the game away. And that was really a big story of the game was the Bears were able to run the ball uh, down the Raiders throats, but ultimately the biggest story of the game, of course, has to be, you know, Tyson Bagent, you know, division two quarterback bringing home the win, um, which honestly great for him. I know there's been a lot made of how far he threw the ball downfield and whatever it was, but, um, you know, a little bit of credit to the coaching staff, credit to Getsy and credit to him for executing on the game plan. The short game was working when they needed it to, and he delivered, you know, had great completion percentage, um, what balls were out on time, really defeated, uh, the pass rush. Um, yeah, I mean, not, not much else you can say. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is definitely not going to be dialing into the Tyson Bajan versus Justin Fields debate right now. Um, Bajan, nah. I'll, I'll give all credit due. I mean, I think it's huge for him to get that win. I also just think that like, like putting things into perspective, like we don't need to be a hundred percent one way, either one way or the other. But this is a guy that came from a D2 school, played there for a long time, came in senior bowl, didn't even have the best performance at the senior bowl, like an all right performance at the senior bowl. And then he comes into Bears train camp, beats out people keep talking about um, PJ Walker, but he also beat out Nathan Peterman, um, another guy that's, you know, what regardless of what we thought about his beginning of his career has actually shown in stretches to be a competent backup in this league. And for Bajan goes out At there least to the Bears <laughs> gets the first win over Hoyer and was clearly the better uh, backup quarterback on the field. Um, I exactly what you're saying. I mean, the game plan was obviously catering to him, and like I, I have to say, like I think our big fear on the pregame podcast was, hey, are the Bears going to over adjust and are they going to? you know, try to just keep it super short and everything. And I thought this week, I have to give credit to Luke Getze. I thought it was a really good blend of putting your quarterback in a position to succeed, but also utilizing, but also allowing him to, you know, test the deep throw, you know, make some key third down passes rather than just keeping it on, on the ground. I, I really thought that it, they put together a pretty good game plan for this game. Um, and overall Tyson Bajan, he did what he had to do. The balls were coming out on time. Um, 
what I was most impressed with, which is something we, that Justin Fields needs to learn how to do, was his ability to just when the pressure was getting to him, just get rid of the ball or get it to get it to the running back or find his dump off option. I thought that was really impressive. Um, but yeah, of course, we're not going to get into this because it's it's a different standard right now. Again, like you were saying, Tyson Bajant had, I think it was a net a net two yards per passing uh, passing uh, reception um in the game so i mean clearly not testing the ball downfield but still i mean huge win for him and uh i mean i think it's going to be monumental in his career yeah i mean right exactly it's like everything needs to be put into context but at the same time he went out and won his first nfl game and the bears had one win coming into this game so yeah like (laughs) to me like the raiders were a little bit of a laugher especially when you came out and watched how they played because like, I still think the Bears looked, you know, to the train eye exploitable. Like, mm-hmm. there are still defensive adjustments that could be made to stop them. Uh, at the same time, though, I think the Bears were really creative in the run game. And, you know, Bajan, I think, did a good job of, you know, when he was under under duress, you know, finding DJ Moore or finding a receiver, really spread the ball around. I mean, there was a lot of receivers got involved in the game. And, you know, simply put, that's been different than what we've seen the rest of the season. I mean... The offense was a lot more involved. I know I talked about Cole Komet, um, you know, getting involved in the pregame, that being a huge piece of it. And I did kind of send a little bit of angry message to Austin during the game. But when you look back, he was a pretty big member of pass protection. Um, it was kept in a lot. So it seemed like it was a smart move that worked and paid off. I'm still going to give him <laughs> a little bit of a hard time on the two straight or the two false start penalties on the same drive like get it together. Um, but at the same time, I think that everyone kind of, you know, perform, perform their role in the offense. I don't think DJ Moore thought he was probably going to go out and have another 200 burger, yeah. <laughs> uh, yesterday, but, um, you know, Donta Foreman came out, had a huge game, uh, three total touchdowns, you know, twice on the ground, <clears throat> Um, and really made up. It looked like he was going to have a shaky start to the game. Came out, had the drop on the check down early on, but then yep. it was nothing but upwards from that. And really kind of, I think, cemented his role on this team. And especially with someone like Roshan Johnson, who has unfortunately been unavailable ever since their Thursday night game against the Commanders. You look at Donta Foreman and, you know, Khalil Herbert. I still have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a great piece in this backfield. Um, but you look at kind of those two running backs as probably having equal entitlement to the ball, Oh yeah, uh, especially after the performance that Foreman had. So really impressed with what the run game was doing. I thought there was a lot of variety as far as getting into the outside um, and then also working uh, some runs in between the middle and just gutting, out, gutting it out on some short yardage plays. And how about the uh, the QB, the, the little bit of like the tush push where Bajan slid oh, out yeah. of the way of Max uh, Crosby who was diving over. I like it. I thought that was incredible awareness from him. I think, you know, if anything, if you're going to give him credit for anything in the game, just how about just being locked in, understanding everything that's going around him? <laughs> I like it. I liked it a lot. Um, I, I thought that was uh, pretty, pretty impressive. I did wonder, and, and like overall the officiating in the game was – horrendous i thought it was it was a tough game the officiating this weekend i thought was really really bad and it seems like we're hitting it every single year where officiating just gets worse and worse and worse um i did wonder like 
it sparked the question. I'm not saying that anything should have been called there, but when Max Crosby jumped over, he technically hit Tyson Bajan in the face with his hand. Is that considered roughing the passer? Because he technically was within the ta- he was still within the tackles. He even when you do those QB sneaks, you're not technically a runner till you extend past the line. I I'm not saying anything should have been called, but I think that's an interesting gray area in the rule book. Yeah. I don't know. Not even something that I was thinking about, but definitely a solid point there. But I, mean. I, I do want to get to like the serious stuff. So like back to the run game <laughs> that we were just talking about. Um, run game was really, really good. And this was the first time I've really felt like the Bears have established an identity in the run game. They completely changed the run concepts. Um, they reverted it back to a lot more of what we were running last year, which was a lot more outside zone. I don't, I, I'm that is such a key staple in the Shanahan offense. I was very confused in the beginning of the season why there was such an emphasis on the inside zone with Khalil Herbert, especially because you'd think that his skill set is more applicable towards the outside zone. I could be wrong there, but it seemed like with Dante Foreman in there, he just looked so comfortable. And I messaged you during the game, Reese. The big question I have is. When do we just say that Donta Foreman? I mean, I know it's only been two weeks, right? It's only been two weeks, but I think Donta Foreman's the best running back on the roster. Like it, he is just so natural at the position, and it's clear that he just has. Sure, he might not have that second gear that Khalil Herbert has, but he is able to withstand tackles so well. I just think that this week really showed us that the lack of how poor of a decision it was to keep him out and not even on not not he was on the roster but not active on game days to this point he just seems so natural there and I I I love Roshan Johnson I think he's got a really good career ahead of him but like it it he definitely is Dante Foreman is definitely more deserving of snaps in that running back room at this moment than Roshan Johnson is yeah I mean to me like I feel like Dante Foreman could kind of be an invaluable piece. And I think he could be an invaluable invaluable piece on this team, but also on a team like it just reminds me of going back to the Patriots days and also to the Eagles. I mean, the man I'm about to talk about, LeGarrette Blunt, just hopped around teams that won Super Bowls, but it's like you have the running back that's invaluable in short yardage and then also just running it up the gut situations where he's gonna get you the yardage that you need or he's gonna consistently mm-hmm. pound out yards and Maybe he's not the most explosive back or isn't going to be someone that's going to do anything crazy in the passing game, you know, a la Christian McCaffrey or, you know, any other kind of like it's a big trait these days when running backs look for, you know, what they can contribute as far as receiving. But like that's the way I look at him is really he's always someone that's going to get you a net positive um, and certainly just has that instinct of being able to find the hole or to make that hole for himself. Right. So I, I was excited to watch him play. I think that it was really strong, powerful running, um, which is kind of something that was missing. And I thought we th- maybe thought Roshan Johnson would bring a little bit of that edge. Um, but I think certainly he kind of fills the role that Monty had last mm-hmm. year, right? And and plays it about as good. And no shade to Monty. I mean, he's out here um, killing it uh, with the Lions, although he's been banged out the past couple of weeks. But, you know, so far we've seen from him there has been good. But at the same time, I think he's filling that role and doing a great job. So I think that's great. I think the defense as well, a totally different, uh, a totally yeah. different point. But, you know, also something that's been impressive, like this Raiders offense, like, okay, you know, 
not amazing. In the week before, play the Vikings without Justin Jefferson. Okay. Um, but still, with that being said, it's still NFL games, and they've come out and played night and day from what they look like, especially week one against the Packers with yeah. <laughs> Allen Williams making the play calls. And Jalen Johnson, of course, had the two picks. One of them he took to the house, which the pick six was a little bit of a gimme, but still got to make the play, execute, um, and he cashed it in. And also in the running game, really shot down uh, Josh Jacobs. And I think that that really took the wind out of the Raiders' sails. And Michael Mayer, too. They did a really good job with him. Um, So what I will say, and just to wrap up the running back uh, conversation here, um, yeah, I I brought up to you, too. It's kind of like for Dante Foreman, I feel like since he's bounced around so much, people, like, don't give him the credit he deserves. But now he's going on three straight teams where in stretches he was downright prolific in his in his production it's only his second game he gets two rushing touchdowns one passing touchdown 80 yards could have had way more too if we want if we really dedicated it to him and we didn't start you know he got a little beat uh he got a little beat up at the end of there and then we also started you know bringing in more of uh I'm blanking on his name right now. Darrington uh, Evans. Darrington Evans, yeah. who also performed well. I will say that, too. He also played very well. Um, but, yeah, I, I just want this team. I really hope once Justin gets back, they just stick to the same running identity. Keep with the outside zone. There's a reason why it works so well. There's a reason why Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is literally obsessed with outside zone running. That is his obsession. And it's also because you can build – so much off of it i mean that's where the play action is built off of that's what that's the in my opinion at least the most important aspect of the shanahan offense is being able to dominate in the outside zone run because you can make so many looks that just look identical when you dominate in that run game um and that could be you know rolling out it could be whatever it's it's an absolute staple and this is where when we were talking about the first you know four or five weeks of the season i'm like they call this a shanahan scheme this looks nothing like a kyle shanahan scheme besides maybe having some condensed sets and now i kind of feel like we're getting there i kind of feel like the, the identity is building up it is kind of falling more in line with this shanahan scheme uh and i like it a lot um, no, I, I like and not to cut you off, but I no, like no. what you're hitting at. It's kind of like this offense was forced to revert a little bit back to, you know, its structure. And I think they yeah. kind of found, you know, found what they should have been, you know, building off of yeah. the whole time by having to tear it down. So, I mean, maybe even moving forward, you know, whenever Justin Fields gets back and still, like you said, implementing it, building off of it. You can build the whole offense off of this. Like, if you can establish that you have a run game, teams have to respect it. It's the easiest way to get the ball down the field. It's the least risky way to get the ball down the field. And when you can do it effectively, you have to force the defense to stop you. And like you had said, like, you build everything else off of it. I mean, even, too, like, the boot nakeds. Like, (laughs) a good way to freeze out (laughs) that defensive end rushing in is to have to respect the running game. Yeah. Instead of knowing that he can make a beeline to the quarterback. I yeah. mean, that that's, you know, a couple scooping scores already saved this year. <laughs> if, <laughs> if that's established. <laughs> I also thought the offensive line with the exception of Larry Borum looked fairly good. Um, Larry Borum is just like the, the bears definitely need a new swing tackle at least this off season. Um, obviously they need a center too, but like definitely need a, a swing tackle. Uh, Cause he's just not it, man. 
Yeah. How much do you think, though, that some of this running effectiveness was because we put Darnell Wright and Tevin Jenkins on the same side? That could be it. Yeah, that could definitely be it, to be honest. It really established a strength. I think I also I also just think a lot of it, though, was just like getting back to the fundamentals of like stretching the, you know, stretching both sides of the field. Like, yeah, the Bears run game over the first four weeks of the season was so obvious. Like when in the outside zone is also a great way to kind of prevent blitzing overall because when you when the team blitzes the outside zone can be used almost as a counter to a blitz because you get more defenders inside and not outside and it allows for your linemen to get up field more efficiently when when you're taking out a blitz so i think that's another reason why also like this isn't talked about enough but with the outside zone run game it also just makes some mediocre offensive linemen perform a lot better. And I think that's a huge key to like Cody Whitehair, Larry Borum, Lucas Patrick. These are not, these are not uh, game breakers at their positions. You know, quite frankly, <laughs> they've been liabilities throughout most of the year uh, while they've been featured. So I think that's not, I just think it's the identity. It's like actually having that and what you can build off of it to keep it balanced. It puts defenders in conflict. It just makes sense. It's not predictable. It makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I liked it a lot. But I I want to get back to what your other point was, which was the defense. Which I was actually gonna bring that up today too. It's like, is the defense kind of getting to be okay? I mean, I've been impressed over the past three weeks. You know, not the biggest. I'm not gonna say these were the best opponents, but like we're talking about going from essentially since since the Commanders game. We went from a defense that would make literally any quarterback look good, including Jordan Love, who, I mean, he's looked awful, absolutely awful against horrible defenses. He just played the worst defense in the league yesterday and threw a game-ending pick, but should have thrown like three picks, um, including one of his touchdowns. That is, I mean, great play by the wide receiver, (laughs) but it was just a pick and the wide receiver yanked it out of the DB's hands. I mean, that was incredible. And his other touchdown was a deflection that went right into the hands of his other, of his other wide receiver. It was uh, the most insane two touchdown performance I've ever seen. Um, But making Baker Mayfield, Jordan Love, not great quarterbacks look elite and put up elite numbers. Baker Mayfield looked awesome really really good against us um and now we're getting to the point where it's like at least we can hold down bad quarterbacks and bad not great offenses i mean sure brian hoyer is no game breaker right but if the same defense that showed up week one showed up today that it would not be the same game i mean we're talking about a defense and i know this isn't a high bar but what was it they they, had, they gave up 25 points every single game since like what was it like 17 weeks or something like that yeah no it was basically almost through the duration of their losing streak yeah i think maybe plus a couple other games but it's certainly been a turnaround i mean yeah i do attribute some of it to like okay not playing the strongest offenses or offenses that aren't at full strength obviously um obviously still going up against some talented players like jacoby myers has had a good year Devontae adams i think you know Maybe he's not what he was a few years ago, but still a very good wide receiver. You know, probably elite wide receiver in the league. Still, obviously frustrated, but he was going out there at least at the beginning of the game, still playing. 
I, I think that <laughs> I thought you were talking about Jacoby Myers, and now it just clicked that you're talking about Devontae Adams. So like, okay, that, I was like, I don't know receiver. if I called him an elite wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I wasn't clear enough, but yeah, big Jacoby I mean, Myers get, fan. <laughs> yeah, ever since he's on the Patriots, I knew he was the one. Especially after the the backwards throw to the Raiders, I was like, this man is something special. <laughs> oh <laughs> um, man! But no, to get back to the point. Like, I think that you have to find somewhere in the middle. I think this defense is performing better. I think some of it has been opponents. Um, I think looking forward, Chargers are a weird team, so I don't even know how to look at it. Um, but then they kind of have a couple of weak, you know, weaker teams after that, obviously one of them being the Panthers. I think once we get back into the meat of the schedule, like, I think I really start restarting my judgment for this defense once they hit the Lions game and then moving forward. I think that yeah. that's going to be a stretch where we're going to get to really see what this defense is actually made of. Like, you know, I know the Lions had their troubles last week, but they've still been the cream of the crop of the division. If they can, you know, put up a convincing game against the Lions, slow them down and then move forward and, and take on some of those other tougher opponents after that game, then I'll genuinely be impressed. I think it's obviously been a step forward for this defense no matter what. They're generating turnovers. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds got um, his first pick on the Bears. That was big. Jalen Johnson broke a, you know, interception list streak, which is interesting for him because teams do avoid throwing in his area. Of course, he still does get targeted. So there's still been some opportunities for him to make plays. But, you know, him having low interception numbers doesn't necessarily tank his value to me. Um, but ends up getting the two picks. So they were definitely ripe in turnovers. And I think it made a difference, too, for this team, um, especially in this game. The Bears were sustaining drives. Like, this yeah. defense was able to stay fresh. They are able to stay energetic. Um, and I think we saw it even from the defensive line performance and what they did stopping the run and also getting some pressure on the quarterbacks as well. Like, they're able to stay fresh. And so even though they're not <laughs> the most talented group, they were still effective. Um, and I think that that's been something that's been kind of missing. And especially like, uh, you know, it makes me think about the Vikings game where the defense played well, but they were put on the field you know, a decent amount of time, especially in the first three weeks of the season where this offense couldn't do anything. I mean, harken back to the Kansas City Chiefs game, this defense was getting mauled because they were on the field like the whole game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a combination of a lot of things, but I think we are starting to see this linebacker group get like really in tune. And I think that's also why we're seeing the good run numbers. And it seems like, you know, overall, give credit where credit is due. Still not an Eberflus guy, but I think obviously him in control of the defense has, you know, yeah. turned this defense in the right direction. He's a little more aggressive other than Allen Williams, like not blitzing Jordan Love on his first like start. You know, it's kind of <laughs> night and day in that area. Well, that's actually something that I really feel like has made a lot more sense to me since Eberflus has taken over is the types of blitzes, the types of stunts, like it, it seems like they've gotten to a really good uh, balance of when they need to blitz, like when they need to blitz, how they're going to blitz, the types of blitzes are keeping it variable. It's not getting, it's, it's not resulting in sacks, but it's getting pressures, which I think is huge. I also thought Justin Jones, I mean, obviously he got that sack, but he also got a few pressures uh yesterday as well so i thought that was huge um for him 
Um, and yeah, I just, I feel like this defense is like finally playing cohesively and players are, you know, making pretty big plays. Tyreek Stevenson, once he just gets over, like he's still trying to figure out his way with how handsy he can be. I still think that his PI call on this past game was BS, but I think once he figures that out, he looks like he's going to be another really good corner on this team. And Jalen Johnson, yeah, man, only one interception in his career thus far and then comes out with two in yesterday's game. What I, you know, the first one was just kind of an arid, or sorry, the second one was kind of just an arid throw, but I loved on the first one the way he actually read and, and bit on the ball, like yeah, actually yeah, anticipated you know, it. Anticipated yeah. no, it I mean, got that, was... that pick six. That's, that's like to me showing development, and apparently today, uh, I don't know what show he's on, but Jalen Johnson said that his him and his agents are still, you know, in, in process of making that call. And I think that's what, like, uh, I was, we were ta- I was talking with, one of my friends today and uh, we were talking about, you know, it, it, it is a little bit surprising to a lot of bears fans that Jalen Johnson hasn't gotten that contract because he's just been such a steady staple on this team. And it didn't seem like anything was, you know, off or anything like that. But um, really the one thing is when you don't have the interception numbers as a corner, you can't really get that top dollar value. So my assumption was is that the Bears probably did offer him a couple uh, extension options and contract options, um, but it seems like he probably wanted to bet on himself and and try to make those interception numbers come up, and now he is too. I'm not going to say that this game is going to completely tilt his favor, but it's showing that he is still developing and going to make that next next step. And if he can secure even just two more this year, he can be in for a really big payday come the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I believe he does his weekly, uh, his weekly interviews with Parkins and Spiegel on the score. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he does that as well as Jaquan Brisker does with the midday show um, with the score as well. A lot, a lot of the Bears secondary gets involved in the, in the local Chicago media. Um, I thought, which I think is on, on another note, I thought Brisker had a great game this past game too. He had that real nice, um, man, I, I don't know who they were targeting as far as the Raiders, but made that real nice play up by the line of scrimmage to get that pass breakup. Almost could have gotten, if he got there a little bit earlier, maybe he's hauled in the pick and took it back too. Yeah. So, that was one of those moments where it's like, yeah, he watched the film. <laughs> um, yeah. He knew he knew what was coming there. I, I think that this Bears secondary is, I mean, we highlighted it coming into the year, obviously a strength for this team. And, man, it's been incredible, too. Like we talked about uh, Terrell Smith being out with mono and that that sucks. But they're really just, like, deep. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's – there's a lot of combinations that, you know, the bears can put onto the field. And now that they got Kyler Gordon back, you know, Eddie Jackson is a coin flip whether or not he's in or not. But, you know, between Kyler Gordon, Jalen Johnson, um, Jaquan Brisker. And then also, like you said, Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah. He's going to take some penalties, but I do like that. They kind of have a corner where he's willing to take a little bit of risk. He's feisty, um, man. Yeah, he's feisty. He plays with an edge, um, and I think you know this day and age you have to be. They're really they really suck when they're untimely um, as far as defensive pass interference. But you have to live with a few defensive pass interference oh, yeah. calls. It's just the way that it is, and you see so many terrible calls throughout the league. You know, but it is what it is. I'm with I'm with you. I think that the the defensive pass interference call that he got in the first half was was bogus. 
but you know we'll move on I, I think overall though this defense hopefully as the competition gets a little bit stiffer which you know <laughs> over the next few weeks isn't isn't going to be immensely more difficult but you know as the schedule moves down moves down the line I think that hopefully they keep being up to the up to the test what do you think the chances are that this uh that Ryan Poles goes out and trades for a defensive end uh by the trade deadline Ooh, trades for a defensive end because it seems like there's a there's a good amount of guys. I'm not talking like a Danielle Hunter or anything like that, but it seems like there's a good amount of teams that are trying to shop some guys that are going to be coming up as free agents in the next year, but they're still good enough where you probably can get some value from them. Um, and Ryan Poles has shown he's he's willing to make trade deadline trades. Um, I'm interested. I don't know. He got burned last year. I I don't yeah. know if the Bears are going to be big buyers at this trade deadline. I don't even know if they're going to be huge sellers. I think they might sell a piece or two. Um, Do you know who I, I don't know who I have a feeling might be, might be heading out. Who Mooney? I think, I think Mooney might be, especially with Tyler Scott's recent. Per, I mean, he, that's another guy we didn't even mention. He looked awesome. Yeah. He looked great. He had a better game than Mooney. Um, and I love Darnell Mooney. Don't, don't get me wrong, but um, it, it like, the hard thing with Mooney is that his skill set, while it is valuable, it's very, it's a dime a dozen in the modern day NFL, you know, like he he's good, but he doesn't have the physical, like the key features that separate him into like, I got to have him guy, which is like yeah. the size, the physicality, you know, he's got the good, he's a good route runner, which also like a lot of people don't want to hear this nowadays, but NFL's changed over the past couple of years, especially in these Shanahan schemes where so much, so many of the releases and the way you run your route are man, are mandated by the coaching staff in certain plays. Like, it's not like, and that's probably part of the reason why a guy like, I don't know how many more guys will see like Devonte Adams over the next couple of years being the top guys in the league, because, you know, Devonte Adams, obviously a release specialist, and that's still valuable. Don't get me wrong. You still need to beat your guy. But now it's so much less about dancing and trying to shake your receiver. And it's kind of putting guys that are just physically gifted in the best positions possible. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I think, think so much of it, yeah, it comes with defensive adaptation too. Like so many teams are yeah. playing a lot more shell zones where, you know, we've seen how invaluable Travis Kelsey has been for a team like Kansas City where it's like find the hole in the zone, you know, yeah. and sit in it as well. Um, which is a little bit like not quite what you were hitting at as far as just like <laughs> the planned releases, but it's also too just like interpreting the defense, um, you know, just kind of reading and then letting the quarterback find you, you know. So I think Darnell Mooney, right, like you can walk away from a player like him and it's not going to burn you. Um, and I think Tyler Scott, like, yes, like, you know, he did body catch a few balls during the game not something that you want to always be doing, especially going over the middle of the field. Um, like the one like decent, not leaping, but where he had to get a little bit vertical and brought in with his body, not optimal, but I think he's shown that he can be, he can be quick and then also come back to the ball. Um, especially on, you know, extending the plays. And that's another huge thing is like being the guy that you can help, help the quarterback when he's rolling out, when he's extending the play, avoiding the pressure, 
you know, whether it be rolling out of the pocket or stepping up into the pocket and kind of skirting along the line of scrimmage, like you have to become that guy that's able to either come back to the ball or, or figure out which side, which sideline you're going to try to be running to. And I think Tyler Scott has shown for Bajan that <laughs> he's been able to do a little bit of that freestyling pretty well. Um, and, and on Fields' rookie year, I know Darnell Mooney was, was that guy, yep. uh, which is what you know, really kind of made him stand out to Bears fans. But it just hasn't been that way, um, you know, with Fields and the offense or not. It hasn't been that way, you know, really over the 2022 season. Still had some respectable numbers, got a little banged up. But this year it just hasn't been the same. So I think that, right, I think heading into this week, the two people that you'd highlight would be Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney. Unless there's some kind of interesting flare up over contracts talks and the Bears decide to ship out Jalen Johnson, which I guess isn't out of the field of possibility, but doesn't seem likely. I think Darnell Mooney might be the most likely just because it's a contract year for him. In any situation, they might decide to keep him. Um, But, you know, like you said, replaceable and they can probably find another guy like him. Might already have him in the team in Tyler Scott or just go out and draft, sign. I mean, I think that. It wakes you up when a team like the Rams finds someone like Puka Nakua, right? Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's Puka Nakua is one of the more like insane storylines that I feel like has it's been talked about a lot, but also just like not enough. <laughs> I, I can't remember a guy like him to be completely honest, where he just completely bursts on the scene. Um, I mean, putting up downright elite numbers. I mean, the only comparable, like even for just a rookie in general, the only comparable rookie wide receiver that I could even say that um, was kind of like it was Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase was a top, what was it, seven pick in the draft? And I'm not going to say they're the same type of player, right? I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to say his numbers are very similar to this point as what Jamar Chase is wearing his rookie year, which is ridiculous. Um, I mean, just shows you what having a damn good coach can do for your team um, and really elevate the talent around them. Um, all right. So, bef- I, I mean, before we we kind of sign off, where I, obviously we have the show later this week. I'll be up on Thursday, so you guys can look out for that. But where are you kind of at with this team in terms of expectations? Does this change your expectations for this year? Um do you feel any ounce of confidence that they might be able to turn the ship around? Uh, this is crazy to say, but for the past three games, we've won two games. Yeah, no, it is wild. And, like, I, I think which maybe gives the best context to this is, like, internally I'm still deciding whether or not I want to pick the Bears to win this next game. I'm like, wow. I almost feel like, well, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't look at the Chargers. The Chargers are just a weird team, man. Like, I feel like they are very yeah. beatable and they can lose to a team like the Bears. Like, and, and Justin Herbert, I like him a lot, but it's just with that coaching staff. And because I feel this is the way I look at it. Like, I feel like the Chargers, and not to spoil anything that I'm going to say in the next podcast, but I feel like the Chargers are a little bit in the scenario kind of similar to the Bears because I personally wouldn't be surprised. You know, maybe not right after the Bears game, but even you lose the Bears game and maybe lose the game after, like Brandon Staley might be fired midseason. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think if he loses this game to the Bears, he might be fired. He's been really bad 
and and there's he's been on the hot seat like this is there's been a lot of odd coaching decisions like certainly it's not like this hasn't been brought up before um and you know i'm not sure if we're gonna see fields playing or anything so i'm not gonna get into like specifically chargers things but like i'm so this team is so funny this bears the bears are so funny because i feel like some weeks i cannot really predict what i'm gonna see like sometimes like this past week the game plan worked perfectly other times the game plan falls off the rails after the first drive seemingly like like we said coming into this game it's like you can predict when the bears are going to play a bad game or not based off how they do off the first couple of plays yeah i think my expectations for this team you know i think that they can maybe five to six wins i think is in the wheelhouse like i think certainly they've proven that they can beat bad teams yeah um you know they're they can go out and and beat some teams that are a little bit weaker maybe they go out there and surprise someone um i I think that they are are improving on the defensive side of the ball and i am happy that they are winning as much as it sucks to hurt the draft stock and, and you know, it hurts a little bit at the same time. I'm like, this team has been so bad for so long. This team is what we called them at the beginning of the season. Like, they are losers. Like, yeah. they, they didn't know how to win. So it is important that they have at least won two games this year that, to at least prove something to themselves. Um, I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Austin? Like, I think that they have shown that they can improve. I'm not, like, when, if, you know, the Bears have handled this whole field situation so weirdly, who can even predict, but like when or if Fields comes back, I I would love to say that this offense is going to perform really well, but I've seen so much of it not working over the past year and basically a half now that I have no confidence about it. Like I still am out on this coaching staff. I think that we do see the glimmers of hope, but it's really like, it hasn't sold me. It's not like it's enough. Yeah. I, I'm just interested, like, again, I'm interested to see how this coaching staff responds to a win um, after, like, obviously, we everything that we talked about on the last postgame podcast, which is, you know, the, this team, in essence, is the deep, the big bomb, deep, deep pass from Justin Fields, and then the, the handoff to Khalil Herbert for zero yards right up the gut. Like, that's how this team handles... Uh, any sort of momentum. And so to this point, it would just be such a shocker if they actually build off their momentum. Maybe we called that a little early. Like now that you win two out of three, you're like, okay, did we call that a little early? Are we like over overreacting? But like, A, I just have no, A, I don't, I have no confidence in this coaching staff to be able to build off this and B, I have no confidence that once Justin Fields is back, they're not going to completely try to realter the scheme into something that just isn't going to work. Um, yeah. I, I think that everything that I have complimented this coaching staff on for this last game, including Luke Getze, I think they're all good things and I'm trying to give credit where credit's due, but it also bars the question, where the fuck was all this for the past, you know, two seasons? Like this is the simple stuff that everyone called out and they're doing it now and it's working. It's working. It's the things that are right in front of the table, but 
it's like it seems like it just really takes a lot for this coaching staff to catch on to the like credit them for making changes but it takes them a lot to be able to decide to make those changes and it's like okay when they bring fields back what's the methodology going to be is it going to be okay we're going to revert back to how we were trying to play with fields or is it no we found our identity this is what we're going to ask fields to run and and build build off of that um I, I don't know. I have no, yeah. as far as the Chargers game goes, as much as the Chargers are way better than us in pretty much every single position, it, it is just like you, that team is struggling because of the head coach a, and like, you know, I, how do you feel about Tom Telesco? I mean, it, it's like, he's good. And he is, I mean, he's hit on a decent amount of draft picks, but some of them have been like been layups as well. You know, it's like, yeah, can you give him a lot of credit for Derwin James? Like, yeah, some teams passed on him, but okay. You know, you can't really – Joey Bosa was also another layup. Yeah, you know, he was the best best prospect after the quarterbacks that were taken. And Herbert or, or better than the him, quarterbacks. Right? Herbert was what? the third third drafted quarterback, wasn't he? So he was yeah. the only one left. Right, and hasn't really been able to figure out – I think if Staley goes, there's probably a decent chance that Telesco goes just because it's like how many coaches are you going to give – yeah. give this GM um, before he figures it out. So I don't know. It, they are just, they are a team that should be performing, should be performing way better. I mean, offensively, the weapons, I think, you know, a lot of their teams would, would dream to have. And the quarterback, I think, is usually able to ask their, um, you know, execute. And there's obviously a fair share of upside with Herbert, but, He's been kind of banged up. It just hasn't been the same, Herbert. Um, I don't know. Weird team. I think with the Bears, too, just to hit back on the coaching idea, like there's still the moments like in the halftime of this Raiders game, the drive before halftime, <laughs> the mismanagement of the clock. I I'm like, yeah, this, that. that was hilarious. I'm like, this team has has no idea to, to coach. Yeah. And I, I still think there's too many of those moments where I'm just like, I'm – still so out on this coaching staff. Now, you know, if they start ratting off wins, I'll be very impressed if this team ever finds its way back to 500. I will tell you that. I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. But if this team that ends up 5-5, five and five, if they end up 6-6, six and six, I'll be impressed. I mean, I don't know if I'll be sold on the coaching staff, but I'll be like, I'll be like okay, I'll give you credit. And I'll start to be a little scared that management isn't going to fire them a little bit. <laughs> that's that's yeah, that's the scary thing throughout all this is we had the conversation a couple weeks ago. Is winning good? Who knows? They're going to have to do a lot to convince me. Um, and they also need to do a lot with our real starting quarterback, Justin Fields, to convince me that they can put anything competent together. Um, I am afraid of what improvement could do for this team, especially considering the state of the schedule i mean like putting up six wins against this schedule is like putting up three wins against our schedule last year let's be honest yeah. here i no, mean we yeah. we played a gauntlet last year um i don't know man it's uh it, it's tough and it, it's it's gonna be something that we're gonna keep you know unpacking for you guys all season long and uh we'll unpack a little more thursday yeah most definitely we'll definitely be excited to get into that um, and just kind of keep hitting on the season ahead. There's still so much to talk about. Decisions to be made, ultimately. There's a lot up in the air with this Bears team. So 
What's new there? Nothing. <laughs> this, everything with the Bears is always up in the air. If you always enjoyed the listening. biggest season of our life. <laughs> exactly. The biggest off season. Exactly. We're building up to the biggest off season in Bears history since last year. I'm telling you that right now. Um, <laughs> but if you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to give a rating and review across any and all platforms, especially on Apple Podcasts. I know you've hit on Austin before. Spotify only allows you to do the star review. Everything helps. Appreciate it all. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure. Definitely happy to come back after a win and be able to talk to y'all and bring us up out of the gutter a little bit. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Brian Hoyer. Thank yeah. you, Josh McDaniels. Daniel. That was a master class in coaching <laughs> failure. If that doesn't make- show if that doesn't show you what this team could be, I don't know what does. Yeah. If you make Eberflus look like a genius, then you're doing a terrible job. <laughs> hey, we did it with Jordan Love week one, man. Similar idea exactly. right there. Exactly. Alright, oh, bear man. down everyone. Bear down. Thank you.